You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So good to be with you guys today. We have a number of guests in the house, and I'm grateful for each one of you I got to meet. And if I didn't get a chance to meet you, my apologies, I tried. This stand must have shrunk since the last time I used it, so... I don't think I shrunk that much, but anyway, now it's a little tall, but I'll live with it. So yeah, it's just truly good to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited to share with you about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And my the message that I want to share with you out of John 14 is simply helpful thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't get a lot of billing, I guess, in, in many churches, if you will. We pray to the Father because that's what Jesus taught us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, and we identify Him. He's our Savior and our Lord who died on the cross. And the Holy Spirit's a little hard to get our minds wrapped around, and sometimes He kind of ends up pragmatically being more of a a force or an energy in people's pragmatic minds, but He's a third person of the Trinity, uh, and God Himself who lives within us, and just such an incredible thing that we are not alone in this world. A number of years ago, I used to pastor further up north in the town of Potsdam, and uh, you know you're in the middle of nowhere when you live north of the Adirondacks. You, you, you got it? You, you, you getting me? Like, it gets cold up there. You think it gets cold here? It's nothing like what it does up there every winter. It's just the middle of nowhere. And Susan and I loved that the little town of Potsdam. is a small town. I don't remember now, maybe 12, 15,000 people. But half of them were college students. There were two colleges in town. So every fall, we'd get a boatload of students, and we as a church reached out to them, loved on them, and they did. Uh, Clarks University and SUNY Potsdam both recruited out of the city heavily. So I would always, every fall, we would have these students that probably had not ever been that far away from home, and they were used to the city. And they went into the, they moved into the middle of nowhere. And I remember one student who I asked, you know, when he got into town, it was probably the week later, and he was kind of shell-shocked, kind of like big eyes. He said, yeah, I got off the bus at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, I didn't even know our bus station was open that late. Like, I assumed, you know, everybody went to bed. And he said, I was so scared. Nobody was around. And, uh, and I just saw these deer, and I was so afraid they were going to get me. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and inside, like, he was serious. And inside, I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, wow. I said, you know what? <laughs> So most of the people that live around here, if they got off the bus where you got on at 2 o'clock in the morning and saw the people walk around, they'd be scared. So i like, those deer are not going to bother you. You know, we all have those moments in life where we feel alone. We lose a spouse. Maybe we go through a season of in the middle of relationships with people, but somehow we feel alone in that. We have moments and we have times, and that's a a real thing in our life that we as people battle, a loss of a loved one, all kinds of things. Jesus, before he died on the cross, made sure that his best friends, his disciples, and make sure that you and I know this very real fact that when you are a follower of Jesus, when you've committed your life by faith to him as Lord and Savior of life, you've surrendered your life to him, you are never alone. Never, ever, for one second, Are you ever alone? And there is no greater blessing in our life today than the reality that God himself has chosen to make his life with us through what Jesus did on the cross, but pragmatically in reality, 
is through the Holy Spirit in our life. So we're going to talk about this morning. Read with me, if you would, in John 14, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, you can open an app on your, or on your phone, and, and, uh, or it'll be on the screen. So read with me, if you would, in John uh, 14, starting in verse 15. The Bible says this. Get the picture. Jesus is talking. He had just finished the Lord's Supper. He's talking with his close best friends, and he knows he's about to die and leave them, and knows that's going to rock their world, and they're going to be in a mess. And he says this. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus himself being the first helper, the Holy Spirit was the second helper. He's going to send you another one to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Guys, the one who's going to come help you, the world's clueless about it. He's invisible. They don't get it. They're going to think you're crazy because you're talking about this Holy Spirit helper who's genuine and real in your life. But they can't receive him. They don't get it. But it's okay because it says you know him. They already knew him because they knew Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know the Father, you know the Holy Spirit. It's, he's three in one, right? He says, you know him, for he dwells with you. He's with you now. I'm here. You know who he is, and he will be in you. He's not inside of you yet, but he will be. And what he's referring to is the time's coming when I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise from the dead, and I'm going to leave you. And when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He Himself is going to be in you. It will no longer be just God represented in one human form who can only be with a certain number of group of people. It will now be God dispersed throughout the world and every follower of His living, personally dwelling within us. He goes on, he says, I, in verse 18, will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. I want to back up and look at verse 16, where the Bible says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. That word helper has been translated through into English, in English Bibles, in so many different ways, and it's not because it's a confusing word. It's just because it is such a power-punched, power-packed word. It's kind of like that, you know, if you drink a sports drink or uh, maybe one of those sports shakes or whatever, supposedly has all the stuff in it or whatever. It's kind of that. There's a lot of stuff in here. And some of your translations will probably say advocate. I think the New International Version says that. If you're using the King James or New King James, I think it says the comforter. It's also been translated counselor. It's been translated helper. And I've watched all these translations over the years. I think helper is probably the the broadest term that really gets at what this is talking about, that, that Jesus was sending away. He would go away, and the Father would send to us Himself in the Holy Spirit, who would be a helper to us, a helper to what we need in whatever unique way we need it. So think about this. As you go through life, it's kind of like driving down the road. As we learned last week from Dan that uh, every road trip has challenges, and sometimes you do break down on the road two hours from home without help from a friend. But life is like that journey on a road, and sometimes you break down on the road, and you need help. You need a tow. 
Sometimes in your life, you get to a spot where you're stuck and you don't know where to go and how to get there and what's going on. And the Bible says that God the Holy Spirit is in us and with us as followers Him to help us in those times and in those moments. Now, sometimes if you're like me, I get a little distracted when I drive, not so much from texting, but if, if I'm notorious. If I have guests from out of town, there's a ministry that I'm a part of and I will... Uh, host guests from other places and take them visiting churches and making partnerships. And, and it's always kind of a big deal. You know, I always want to pick them up at the airport and take them to the hotel, do nice by them, you know, and hoping they'll connect and all of it. But you don't do a good job impressing people when you run out of gas on the throughway. And I've done that a couple of times. Uh, the first time I was so glad for that Good Samaritan truck that was literally there three minutes later, but I just wasn't paying attention. Sometimes in life, it's not that you're broken down. It's not that you're in a mess. It's not that there's something broken inside of you that God the Holy Spirit has to kind of rebuild and fix. Sometimes you're just running low and running low on gas. My, my guess is this morning, there's one or two of you this morning that are just running a little slow, you know, like most of us are on Monday mornings before the cup of coffee, but you just probably some stuff's going on in your world, whether it's a busyness or whether there's some deep challenges, and you're just carrying the load. And the Holy Spirit is the helper who is the one that helps us, puts a little bit of gas in the tank that gets us moving and gets us going along the way. Now, sometimes when we're on the side of the road, it's a little worse than that. We've been in an accident, and we've been hurt, and we need the ambulance to come to take care of us. So the Holy Spirit does that in our life, too, that we are damaged, and because of things that we've done in our life, then we just are laid out for time, and He comes and He works on us. And then there's times where, yes, we have been speeding, and the lights go off, and He pulls us over, and He says, what are you doing? Why in the world are you going as fast as you're going? Why in the world are you living your life that way? And he convicts us. And he says, cut it out. Don't do that anymore. He is the helper who is actively working 100% in our life, day in and day out, to make us the person that God called us to be, the, to work that salvation, that deliverance of sin in our life, to change our lives, to, to pull the garbage out of our life, to deal with the sin in our life, to, to fix that which has been broken inside of us. And He is our helper to navigate all of those things. But He does it not to make our world what we want it to be, but he does it to make the world what he is wanting it to be. You see, the problem comes when we're followers of Jesus, when we ignore that, right? So when, when we ran out of gas, I did the next thing that you guys probably do. Honey, I know you're busy. <laughs> I'm about half an hour away. Can you get me some gas? And so I called my wife. Meanwhile, this good Samaritan pulled up. And I didn't say, yeah, my wife's coming. You know, like, thank you <laughs> so much. Now, I suppose I could have sat there, door locked, windows rolled up, and be like looking at the guy and him not knowing why we're broken down. But I didn't. I got out of my car, and he asked what was wrong. Could he help? I said, yeah, I'm an idiot. Just that's all there is. So there's no fixing that, but I'm out of gas. I need a little bit of gas. You see, 
because the Holy Spirit's our helper, that he lives inside of us. Think about this. The God of the universe is there when you are as a parent trying to figure out how to help your kid. When you're there in your relationship trying to figure out how to navigate it and what you need to do. When you're deciding where to live. When you're deciding what God wants you to do in life. And that the Holy Spirit, you have the God of heaven right inside of you. And yet how often... We keep the window rolled up, the door closed, the door locked, and we don't listen to what he's telling us. We don't take advantage of what he's offering us, and we blow him off. See, too many of us as followers of Jesus are living a life based on our abilities, based on our common sense, based on what we can muster and make happen. Because that's what the world tells us, right? You do and be all you can be. And what God says is, yeah, you can do that all you want to do, and it's not going to work out well for you. That's why the world's a mess. That's why I sent my son Jesus to die for you. You need me to be forgiven of your sins, and you need my Holy Spirit to guide you and to be with you in all of that of life. So the big thing is, is to know that the Holy Spirit is your helper when you're a follower of Jesus. That God forgives us of our sin, but He gives us more than a wingman. He gives us somebody living inside of us, guiding and navigating and encouraging and helping and all of those kinds of things. But it is our job to listen. It is our job to seek His help. And it's our job to pay attention to what He's doing in our life. He is the helper. Now, a couple of more words, the way this is translated is not just helper, but your, your Bible may say advocate. So He is like a legal advocate in our life. That word is kind of related to the idea of counselor. So think about it. If you need an attorney, that attorney represents you and is your advocate within the legal system. But they're also called counselors because they give counsel and wisdom and advice and navigating those kinds of things. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate with the Father. Just as Jesus was our advocate dying on the cross for our sins, the Holy Spirit is in our life advocating in our behalf to the Father, but He is our counselor guiding us and navigating us and helping us in life. Ladies, unfortunately, we men often, we don't like to ask directions. That's kind of an old thing now because most of us know how to use GPS except for your father, Dan, so apparently <laughs> know how to use a phone. And somehow that has been a great and wonderful invention because men can keep their dignity and respect and ask for directions, you know, but, but all the time without ever having to stop and talk to anybody else. But how often we as people have the phone on us, if you will, in our life, and we don't bother to turn him on. That's really a crass way to refer to it. We don't bother to listen to the Holy Spirit who's calling us and saying, are you in a little trouble? Can I help you out? And we're like, no, I got it. I don't need it. And we just keep going. And we do it because we want to be in control of our life. That's really the bottom line. We don't want to give God control. We don't, like, we don't give up control easily as people. In fact, at all, and it's part one part pride, one part we just think we know we're better than other people and, and God. And, and we don't want to break down and have that kind of dependency. But I promise you, God will intentionally allow things in your life. Some of it He will bring and some of it He will allow, and that's a discernment, a whole other topic another day. We don't have time for that. But things in your life 
Because he's trying to teach you a dependency on him. He's trying to put in front of you that you really aren't capable. And no matter how many self-help books you read and how many encouraging podcasts you watch and how many mantras you learn and no matter how many, you know, whatever you take, you and I are not sufficient in this world. And we need him in our life. And he wants that relationship that comes with him. I'll, I'll get to that more in a minute. But our job is to listen and to seek him out and to ask his counsel and ask his wisdom and to yield our will to his. Not to say, God, I know what I want to do. I'm going to pray this, but would you just bless it? God, I filled out the contract of what I want in life. Would you just sign on the line? You don't need to read the fine print, God. I got it all covered. It's, it's, in my, it's, it's all good, God. No, our job is to say, God, here's a blank piece of paper. What are you wanting to do in this situation? And I'll do it. To listen to his counsel. Third word that this is, or third way this is often in translations that you've probably heard a lot is that he is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. All of these are the same one word in, in the original Greek behind this in English. He is the, the comforter, the one that encourages us, that helps us. Truth be known, I needed that this morning. I've been uh, the last two days. I've been interviewing church planters uh, in online. You think Zoom was bad back when? I spent two eight-hour days just nothing but having meetings with the exact same people. You know, interviewing these couples and all of that. And it's intense. You're writing reports, and after the day, you're just like, "Oh my goodness!" I do it because I care about people, care about the kingdom, and it's an opportunity to invest in them. But long story short, I was ready for a little downtime last night. And for whatever reason, I didn't sleep well this morning. I was up early and just fitful sleep. And just physically, my body is just like, Sean, you, yeah, you really are an idiot. Why did you do this again? And, you know, and it just, I was tired. And as a pastor, I'd be really transparent with you. I feel like I need to come, not to, I don't ever really put on a fake face. I'm not good at that. I'm just, I'm a bad poker player. I'm a bad liar. If I'm not doing well, you'll probably know it and figure it out. But I at least want to be like, God, you're on the throne. I know this is just a physical thing. Would you help me to, you know, kind of power through it and, and through it? And God does that. And the music, as I listen to them practicing this morning, just help me so much. I needed encouragement. And God does that. That's that comfort that he gives to us in the middle of pain. He does that. Susan and I had a friend who passed away just a, a week or so ago. We actually wanted to go to the funeral last Sunday, but because of our Discover class, it just felt like we needed to be here. The funeral was back in Potsdam just after the service. And just good good friends, just we just so valued them. When the ice storm hit there, and what was that, 98, 99? Where's my North Country folks? You remember, you were there too. We were as well. We, lived, we didn't have power in our town, the whole town. In fact, the whole North Country was wiped out, if you remember that. We didn't have power for a week. So we moved in with them. They had a wood stove and all, uh, I think, like probably, what, five of our kids? I don't remember. My wife will straighten that out later, so we'll fix that. But we just lived with them for a week, just wonderful folks. And anyway, um, Pete's his husband and Eileen's his wife. Eileen just passed away, and we found that out last Friday. I didn't get a chance to go to the funeral. Maybe I can see, them, see him this fall. But if I were there, I would have said, Pete, I can't begin to know the pain you're going through, and that you've lost your best friend of, I think they were married 63 years, something amazing, unbelievable. But I said, Pete, I would say, Pete, you're not alone. God is with you. I know that doesn't replace the physicalness of your wife, but God 
will encourage you and will help you and lean into him in the middle of this time. He's the comforter. But that word comforter doesn't just mean a comfort like we, a mom might comfort a baby. We all need that at times. Sometimes we need to be, sometimes we need a punch in the face. Sometimes we need the lights to light up like you really are living like a crazy man and I love you too much not to tell you. That's in there too. But sometimes we do just need encouragement. But that word comfort, also in English, it means literally with strength. It's the idea of, of fortifying. It's the same idea. So God the Holy Spirit comes and He strengthens us. He fortifies us. He bolsters us. He helps us to do what we can't do in our own strength. And how often people say, well, I could not do that. I feel like God might want me to do something, but oh, I don't think I can do it. And God in heaven is saying, now you're getting the idea. Of course you can't do it. But you need to then take the next step and say, but God, I know you can do it. Would you help me? See, none of us, when we're doing the things that God wants us to do, if we're doing them well, it's not in our strength. It's in God's strength. And we as, as pastors, we have a rule. We don't meet with ladies alone for multiple reasons. And even though the culture around us thinks the old school rule, Billy Graham rule, is somehow passe and misogynistic, we think it's just a healthy thing for everybody and board. And so we don't do that. So if I meet ladies with you or if any of our pastors do and we're alone, usually one of our wives or somebody else or her husband or somebody is there in that picture. And so my wife is often with me, and some of you ladies will remember that. And my wife has more than once said, where in the world did you get that wisdom all of a sudden? And what she's really saying is like, you're not that smart, Sean. I know you. I know you. I married you. I've been married to you for 30 years. And she's 100% correct because it's the strength that God gives you in the moment of, of need. He gives us those abilities. By the way, we should be very careful whenever we say, I can't do this. That's never a good idea. Or if we say, if this happens, if he does this or she does this, I'm going to do this. Whenever we say things like that, they become a reality. And truth be known is, is they don't have to be. We make them a reality when they're not. When we move from Potsdam to, to, to uh, where we live now, and that many of you will see, and most of you have seen uh, and before, but our home where we live now, um, it was just a difficult season. I won't bore you with all the tales, but I was for four months. I was living down. Uh, I was down here in ministry, leaving my wife with seven kids at home, feeling like the biggest jerk, you know, in the world, and little kids and a newborn. And we'd go back on weekends, and we finally found a house and all of that, and and uh, did the goodbye and all of our stuff packed into like an, an eighteen-wheeler truck, and it took up almost all of the eighteen-wheeler. We have seven kids. You just have. Like, it's just stuff. You know, you think babies are little, but they have more stuff than we do. It's just, it's crazy. And I remember that night that we came down. My wife didn't get, she got to see the house that we were buying an hour before we closed. And you're like, what? You are definitely a fool, Sean. You don't buy anything like that, especially a pair of shoes for your wife without her seeing them first. You know, that's never a good idea. But we couldn't find a house to live in. It was like, it was that or homeless. You know, I'm like, honey, I hope you like it because this is all that's even possible for us to fit. It's just, this is it. And so we went and closed on the house and it was whirlwind and we were, the movers were literally showing up the next morning and all of it. And I laid in bed that night and around, I think it was around two o'clock, three o'clock, something like that. My 
well, one of my kids, Nathaniel, was probably three or four or five at the time, I don't remember, threw up. And my wife comes crawling back into bed, because she's a much braver woman than I am, dealt with that. And I said, honey, I can't do this. Because we know what stomach flus were like at that time with nine people. I'm like, we, like I, it hit my level. I can't do this. And I knew as soon as I said it was a mistake, but I really was at my limit. And we could, and we did. The truck parked at the end of the driveway, and it's probably like 200, 200 feet from our house because he couldn't back in because of the ditch. So two guys had to unload a semi, walking it up the driveway all day, and I had so much mercy on them. And even in the middle of a sick kid, and that was starting to go on, I'm like, kids, my oldest was 12, I'm like, we got to help these guys. Like, this is... Like you do what you got to do. The little things, like even just practical things of life, the Holy Spirit helps you guys in all of life. But He helps us not just live or make life about us. And I want to mix this because the Bible is not around to just make you and I these happy people and have a beautiful life. What God wants to do is strengthen us to be live in His kingdom and for His glory. And that He strengthens us to live life the way He has designed for us. And He strengthens us to use us in His kingdom. That's, that's what that whole advocate piece is about. That God, God, doesn't, God doesn't need us and He can do ministry and do whatever He wants to do in people's lives apart from us. But He chooses to do it with us. And so He wants to guide us and empower us and help us to minister and to serve and to be a blessing in the people's lives, to help other people know Him, to help those who do, to be encouraged and to grow and to accomplish what He's trying to in this world. And each person who's a follower of Jesus, that He is trying to accomplish significant things in this world through you. I know often we don't feel that way, and often it's like, man, I go to work, I come home, I got to deal with this and chores, and we feel lowly and all that. But you got to realize God works invisibly, He works slowly, and He's wanting to do those things. And we just have to believe Him in that and pursue Him and be open to those opportunities. But He strengthens us, He encourages us, He advocates, He, he, he gives us guidance, all of that in, in life. And then He's also the Spirit of truth, He's called here. He's, the Bible says in verse 17 that even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. He's the Spirit of truth. This is significant. You see... Jesus is trying to say, look, guys, this one who's come and he's invisible, the world can't see him, the world can see me, they're not going to see this next whole helper. He's invisible. And people, some people might think that you're believing in Santa Claus or leprechauns or whatever other weirdness under the, you know, in the world, but that he is 100% real. And he is the spirit of truth. And why this is so significant is because the world that we, in which we find ourselves is 100% filled with lies. And I don't mean the scam that tries to get you, you know, the email. I'm not talking about the one that, you know, hey, I'm stuck in Nigeria. Can you send me $100,000, you know? That one's probably passed by. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That's out there for sure. But I'm talking about other things. See, the, the reason this world is such a mess, if you ever step back and look at it, is because of the lies that have run around. And we've believed those lies. We've taken those lies. They all started when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And simply at the end of the day, they believed the lie that the, the enemy of God told them and that brought all kinds of destruction into this world. 
And those lies are still around. And by the nature of a lie, is it's lies are always packaged inside of something that looks good, something that looks okay, that goes undetected. It's always something that's not true, but is given in a way that is meant to hide the truth. Right? Whoever tells a lie, they don't want it being found. They want to hide it secretly. They want to conceal it. So, you know, one of the popular lies, and probably the biggest, is just common, is that we in our, our culture around us, and we've taken this in, all of us, more than we know or want to admit, and our biggest goal in this life is to be happy. We want to be happy. And we want our whatever, as long as they're fill in the blank, happy, right? That's what we put as our biggest goal. And we pursue dreams, and as parents, we try to raise our kids in a way so that they can go into this world and do whatever they're going to do and be happy. And on happiness, we justify all kinds of things. You know, we, along with that, we talk about, you know, follow your heart, be true to yourself, and all those things. All of those are lies within a package that's good. Part of that that's good is, yeah, I want to, this world is hard to live in. I want to have joy and have happiness too, all day long. But the lie is, is when that becomes your central fallback guiding principle, that if you're not feeling right about something, i.e. you're not happy, then you do whatever you need to do to be happy. That's when there's a big problem, my friends. Whenever the world becomes, we step into that place that we just want to guide everything. Like that becomes the litmus test of how we view the world and what we're going to do when we make decisions and actions we take and, and attitudes and all of that. We have stepped on a very slippery slope because in that moment, we've made ourselves the center of our world. And in that moment, we've made our relationships about us. In that moment, we no longer are genuinely trying to serve and bless others. We're making it about us. And we damage relationships because of the actions and that we take, the things that we say that we think are going to make us happy. And the crazy thing about it is, is the more we pursue happiness and those things that we think are going to do that for us, the more miserable we get. And it's kind of like chasing the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I don't know if you've ever seen the end of a rainbow. I think I've seen it like two or three times. It's kind of cool. Like it's just like right there, you know. I don't know if it's really here or ten feet farther away, but I've never seen the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's like always pursuing that. And you never really get what you want. You might get a moment of satisfaction in the middle of it, but it goes away. Now, God in this world wants us to have joy. He doesn't want this world just to be a daily grind. So I'm not, you know, as before, I don't want to send you all home. Well, I pastor said you're a good person if you're just miserable in life because God doesn't want you to be happy. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that true joy and the peace and the contentment and the blessing that we, that we desire in life comes from a life well lived with God. That's where that comes from. In the middle of that, you're always going to have some things that just really are not good, that you don't feel good about, that don't make you happy, that you don't like. You're going to have to go through some pretty bad stuff. The Bible is filled with pages of people who honored God and went through tough stuff. 
But God in the middle of it, if you look carefully, there's blessings and incredible things that God did in their life. And that life that's founded on Jesus Christ, that's pursuing God, is one that along the way we experience the joy and the happiness and the pleasure and all of that along the way, but we don't make it all about us. You see, that's why Jesus started this whole conversation. He said, look, if you love me, in verse 15, keep my commandments. All of this is out of a love relationship with God. He repeats it twice. That It's like, look, guys, I want to bless you in life, but there's a life that you've got to live for me. Not for you. It's about me. And I, I want to give this to you, but you're messed up so much that you don't even realize that. And you're twisting the way this whole thing was world works. And that's why Jesus is speaking to them. He's just saying, guys, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and He's going to help you discover those lies, not just in the world around you, but the lies you've taken in and accepted inside of your own soul. And you're building your life on those lies. Does that ever turn out well in reality? Not at all. If you need your, your boiler or your furnace fixed and the repair person comes by and says, oh, I'll take care of this and all of this, and they put in a faulty part and charge you extra money and all of that, in other words, it's a lie, how well does that turn out for you come January or February? Not very well. How well does it turn out whenever anybody lies to you about anything? Not well. And so God the Holy Spirit wants to pull those lies that we've accepted and built our life on that's made a mess for us. He's the Spirit of truth. Well, I need to move on. Not only is He the Spirit of truth, but He's the one who dwells, lives inside of us. Jesus says in verse 17, For you know Him, He dwells with you, and will be in you. I'm so glad that Judas, not Iscariot, in verse 22, the Bible's clear about that, asked this question. He said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest, in other words, show yourself to us and not to the world? Like, how is this going to work? How are we going to see you, but not the world and all this? How is this going to work? Jesus answered, and if anyone loves me, here he is again, he will keep my word. Love for God is not a feeling, it's a commitment and actionable. And that really is what it is in our life, but that's another conversation, another sermon as well. And, but here's what Jesus says. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And here's what happens when we live in that relationship with God because we're saved and we love Him and we're following and obeying Him. And my Father will love Him. And we, not I, we will come to Him and make our home with Him. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and makes His home with us. And in that, He brings the reality of the Father and the Son into our life. You see, He is the indwelling God inside of us. You've probably all watched alien movies. I'm not talking about the really creepy things that pop out and you know, lay eggs in your chest and pop out and those horror, those nasty, gross things with green blood. I'm not talking about any of that kind of stuff. But God Himself, in some real way that I don't understand, lives with us, not physically, but inside of us. And there's never a moment of any day that He's not there poking and prodding and encouraging. Sometimes he's a little more quiet because sometimes, frankly, we got the music cranked up and the earbuds in and he at some levels just says, yeah, as a parent, I'm not going to try to scream over the top of this. You're obviously preoccupied and 
And then sometimes he says, yeah, time to rip those stupid things out of your ears, and I'm totally going to talk to you. And he does whatever is best for us along the way with each of us, and he knows us well, but he's inside of us, and he reveals the God of heaven into our soul. Some of you have been religious for a long time of your life. You've grown up in church, and you've been to church, you believe in God, you know Jesus died, and all of that. But there's been something missing of a personal reality that, yeah, you believe in God, but God's out there, but you don't really know God in here. And what's missing is a surrendered life to you, surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, making that commitment to Him. When you do, the Bible says that step of faith, that faith commitment, turning away from your sins, admitting the things that you've done wrong, and owning up to it instead of hiding, and saying, God, forgive me. Jesus died for me. That, I believe that. That's what I believe. When we take that committed step of faith, in that moment... The Holy Spirit Himself, the God of heaven lives inside of you and the God of this universe invades your soul and you're a changed person for the rest of your life. And that change keeps growing more and more and more and more in your life. And it can't be hidden. That's why Jesus makes a big deal about obeying me because the obedience that you and I do is out of the God, the Holy Spirit telling us, like, you don't want to do that. Like, well, I know you want to do it, but you shouldn't do that. And God begins convicting us and growing us and changing us. And, and it's a, a life that's lived out with His presence. And there's moments that that is so sweet and just like God Himself is talking to us. Truth be known, last night as I was playing there, Susan and I will have a habit. We'll, we'll crawl into bed and we'll watch some dumb show or something or another just to, frankly, just be together a little bit before we turn the lights off. And as we were watching it, my, my Saturday habit whenever I'm preaching on Sunday morning is that somewhere after dinner time, I'm always back thinking about and praying and preparing for Sunday morning. I just can't not do it because I know it's a big day. And, it's, and so I was laying there. I was just honestly tired. Like my brain was fried. You know, I just like, I can't do that tonight. I'm just going to have to trust in the morning. I'll kind of warm up, you know, for the day. And as we were watching that show last night, I just felt this overwhelming sense that was obviously God and like, yeah, you need to start thinking about tomorrow. And it wasn't, it wasn't me, it wasn't my like, anxiety or stress or whatever. It was, no, it was clearly God is like, no, you need to think about that outline. And so I got up and looked at it just for a few minutes. Didn't have to do it for long. I looked at it. But I, can I tell you in that moment just how sweet it was that the God of heaven was taking time in His Spirit communicating into my soul. It was just unbelievable. Just wasn't me. It was just, and I can't explain that to you other than just describe what I did. But there's moments that God is there. He's always there, but there's moments when you perceive more than others. But He's there 24-7. So some of you have not ever experienced that and you don't know what that is like. The first step is to surrender your life to Jesus because He's the one that makes it possible. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He changes your life. And it's out of that change is why we get to hear what Jesus said in, in the latter part of this passage. He says, he's getting them ready to go. In verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And we, I'll leave the rest of that time for you to continue on, ladies. I think you'll be talking about that this week, uh, on Thursday for your study. But Jesus says, look, guys, I'm going to give you peace. 
Not like the world tries to give you. That's temporary peace. That's peace in a bottle. That's peace in a pill. That's peace in a, a new car. That's peace in a whatever, new relationship. I'm not, I'm not going to give you that, the peace that way. I'm going to give you peace inside of your soul by my Spirit. And you don't have to be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. There's a piece of us in there that's responsible to put our focus and hope and trust in God as we go through the tough times. He says, I'm going to give that to you. And that's all the presence of God in our life as we walk through it. And some days I'm dialed into that. And to be honest with you, some days I forget it and I have to be reminded. And some days I have to go through a little bit and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I getting so worked up on this? God, I trust you. Would you help me? I'm human like you are. But he gives us that incredible peace. So this morning, I want to challenge you. For those of you that have never surrendered to Jesus, I urge you, not just for the salvation of your soul and heaven and all of that, but this morning, for you to not live this life on this earth, however long you have and whatever that looks like, to not live it alone. That God wants to make His life inside of you and with you. And you trying to live it alone and on your own way, you're going to get more of the mess than the same. So put your faith and trust in Jesus. Reach out and say, God, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? Take that step of committed faith. And if you have already trusted Christ and you're a follower of His, the Bible tells us that we are to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit in our life. Not to be drunk with wine or alcohol, and like, like alcohol controls us. We, we, the Bible is so real. 2,000 years ago, describe what a DUI is, you know, driving under the influence. Don't, be, don't live your life under the influence of alcohol, the words controlling your thoughts and actions and speech and attitudes and even emotions and anger and all that comes out with it. But instead of that, be filled with a spirit. In other words, live your life that's being led by the Spirit, that His influence is over your life and over your emotions and your actions and your decisions and what you're trying to do and all of that. I'm going to challenge you, if you're a follower of Jesus, with this week, as best as you can know, make this commitment in your heart. Some of you are really high-end, like letter of the law people, all right? So I'm giving yourself a break. If you get up tomorrow and you forget about it, and you only remember partway through the day, you're okay, all right? There's grace and mercy and forgiveness. But would you make a commitment to just every day this week, as best as you know and can remember, and put a little note for you, whatever you got to do, I don't know, tape it on the ceiling or whatever. Maybe you sleep on your, on your stomach and got to put it on your pillow, whatever works for you. But would you say, God, I want to be filled with your Spirit today. I want you to be in charge and to lead me. And God, if I need to know something about sin in my life, would you convict me? Clean me? If I need encouragement, would you help me with that? But God, I want, I want to live my life today for you. You see, that's not something that you do once. You surrender your life to Jesus once. But after that, we are to continuously be regularly filled with that Spirit. When we sin, we're not filled because we're doing our own thing, not God's thing. And we got to confess our sin and go back to God and say, God, would you fill me? But would you do that? I just get convicted that too often we put God on a shelf and we ignore Him. And that one simple thing will begin to put Him back, not 
this technically is not right, but it puts him back where he should be in charge of our life. God's always in charge, but you hear what I'm saying. So wherever you are, make a commitment with that today. Be encouraged. Allow Him to work in your heart. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank You for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, forgive us when we neglect Him and Your reality in our life. Forgive us when we even fall back to our old ways of thinking that life's about us and just to make us happy. And Lord, would You help us to live each day surrendered to You, just following and listening to Your Spirit. And Lord, would You help us that every day truly is an amazing day because we have it with You. Forgive us when we forget it, neglect that. Lord, help us to be a church that's genuinely Spirit-filled, just living out every day with You. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.